In a world where first looks were banned, one man stood up for first looks. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame. I'm your host, Frank, and this is a first look at the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion. That rattling sound, it's not a box of Lego, it is the Scarlet Keys. It didn't sound very Lego. It's it's sealed. That's the sound of the vacuum packing sealing, whatever it's called. The the polystyrene? No, the, the poly, whatever it is, ceiling. Yeah, it's here. It's in my hands. I've got it at last. It's taken a little bit of a while. I've been away, so it arrived and I wasn't here to receive it, but we're here. And I have no idea why I wanted to do that trailer thing, but it's been rattling around in my head. Maybe one day I should make a longer trailer. It feels like first looks are a thing of the past. And certainly as far as I'm concerned, I didn't retire them. It just was that the distribution model changed, the release model changed, and it didn't really fit in anymore. But they do fit in. They're here. And we can first look. So for Edge of the Earth, where we had lots of different guests and things like that, we're trying something a little bit different this time. We're going back to original, my voice only, first looking. And we'll see how we get on. Maybe it'll be too much to do. Right, I need to get this open. And back by popular demand is the spinning wheel to decide what faction we do. We're not going to do these in order. We're going to do these by faction. I think what I'll do is I'll do each investigator that matches the faction quickly because of course Peter and I will do more details about the investigators down the line and then we'll dive into the faction cards and the other thing I should say you can hear it unwrapping as I do this there we go plastic wrap off the other thing I should say is that there's a lot of these cards that have been previewed in preview season preview season was really cool I think it was really good to get so many people on board sharing what they were doing with each other. And I'm really glad that FFG took the nudge. Certainly I was nudging saying, hey, make this into a bigger thing than it is. And they did that. So that's great. So that means we've had, I think, 82 of the maybe 128 cards previewed. So we've seen a lot of them. So for those cards, I'll I'll mention them probably, but I'll try not to go into too much detail because there's a lot to get through. Box opening. Oh, such a little a little chunk of cards there. I think it's just two packets in this. It is, yeah, okay. Rustling of cardboard to one side. You're getting the full ASMR effect here. We've got a little investigator expansion, guidance, rules, insert, and we've got six investigator cards. Right, there are additional rules and clarifications on dilemmas and revelation abilities, exile, customizable. Oh yeah, customizables we're going to do something different with as well. And some frequently asked questions. Okay, good to know. Expansion design and development. Aaron Haltom and MJ Newham with Jeremy Zern. Who's Aaron Haltom? Worth working out that. So what do we need to know about dilemmas? We'll look at them when we get to our first dilemma, I think. That's the easier way of doing it. Right, which faction are we starting with? Let's roll the dice. So one is Guardian, inventively. Two is Seeker. Three is Rogue. Four is Mystic. Five is Survivor. And six will be Neutral, because we do have a Neutral Investigator. Four. Mystic. Okay. Let's do it. Let's see if I can find all of the appropriate cards rapidly. There's a Mystic Investigator and Signatures. No more Mystic cards in that massive pile. I'm so going to knock these all over, aren't I? Oh, such a chunk. Okay, and at the back, there's a load of cards for the customizables. And there's Living Ink, Summon Servitor, and Power Word. No, 
I'm guessing living, living ink is where well, I can see it's a mystic card. So yeah, that will be where we start. Let me just move these away so I don't spill my coffee on them. Major danger here. <laughs> In we dive. Our mystic investigator is Amina Zidane, the operator. Threes across the boards for stats and five health and nine sanity. It's a fascinating mixture there that she should have such flat stats and yet a really skewed health and sanity pool. And I think one thing I'm certainly thinking about straight away is how do we make sure that she's okay? How do we keep her alive? Because that five health is kind of scary to me. So she's chosen and cursed traded. She has a reaction. When you play an asset, reduce its resource cost by three. It enters play with one doom on it. Limit once per, example, per round. So for example, shriveling. You could play shriveling, reduce its cost by three to zero, and it comes into play with its four charges and a doom on it. The Elder Sign effect is plus two. You may move all Doom from a card at your location to another card at your location. Doesn't say player card, so you could move all the Doom off a player card onto an encounter card, but also you could do the opposite. You could move Doom off an encounter card onto a player card, perhaps, say, because you had a way of removing Doom from it. And her flavour is, what is it trying to tell me? She hears mysterious voices on the airwaves. We've talked about her a bit when we previewed Sin Eater, which obviously we're going to touch on coming up in this preview. The big thing we, and we've talked about her repeatedly because she obviously interacts with Doom. I don't feel like I've got too much more to say beyond this is a pretty powerful resource effect, so gaining resources. And it was Peter's example of Sin Eater interacting with Amina that got me really pretty excited about how much money she could generate. So if you use this ability twice in two turns you're you're essentially getting an emergency cash twice so three and then three for two doom if you've got a reliable way of removing that doom you're six resources up which is obscene if you only use this ability in the witching hour in a in a scenario there are some scenarios that that don't have a witching hour you know they're just one agenda so i'm thinking of say fatal mirage i always want to say final mirage but it is fatal mirage that has single agendas but apart from that you're probably going to get one, maybe two witching hours per scenario. If you're getting to a third witching hour, normally things are running out. Some scenarios you have even more than that. So you could be making incredible amounts of resources. So I want to see more from these cards about interacting with Doom. I'm curious about the stat line because it's not a high willpower mystic. I'm wondering about the health. There's lots of different things I'm looking for actually here. And so I suppose finally is I've not seen her deck building yet. So let's flip her over and find out. I predicted no spells, maybe, or charms. So let's see. Deck size 30. I've called it. Deck size 30. Mystic card 0 to 5. Neutral 0 to 5. Charm 0 to 4. Wowie. Deck building requirements. Word of woe, word of wheel, deafening silence, and one random basic weakness. Flavor. A refugee from French-occupied Algeria, Amina arrived in Arkham with nothing more than she could carry. Six years later, Amina's sharp mind and technical skill placed her at the switchboard for the Miskatonic Valley Telephone Company. Soon after, she began to catch snippets of something strange while at work. Distorted words in an unrecognisable language, out-of-places noises, out-of-place noises, calls that connected to nowhere at all and dropped almost immediately. As the phantom calls grew in frequency, Amina sought answers. She found the right extension, connected to the line, and listened in. 
Despite not understanding a word of the alien language on the other side, she could tell the eldritch words held real power. I'm reading her flavour, I don't think I will for each investigator, just because she's new to the mythos. Really cool, uh, a refugee from French-occupied Algeria. It's really new uh, kind of character to experience in the game. I'm just really excited for her. I think really cool. She's got a headscarf, which is amazing. So before we go any further, charms, what have we got? I did decide to have ArkhamDB open near me as I did this episode. Of course, Mystic Charms, she can she can take anyway because she can take 0 to 5. So we've got Holy Rosary level 2, willpower boost. We've got Martyr's Vambrace, which we previewed. The Dream Diary, translated and untranslated, are all charms. Grizzly Totem is a charm, and all three levels of that, so the, the level 0 and then levelling up. Bangle of Jinxes is a charm. Cherished Keepsake is a charm. That's kind of a shame because her sanity isn't where she doesn't need help. Nightmare Bauble is a charm. Gives you dream parasites. Hmm. Rabbit's Foot, level 1 and level 3 are charms. Token of Faith is a charm. Lucky Penny and Lucky Cigarette Case are charms. Can she get her stats high enough to regularly get resources from Lucky Penny? Well, resources cards. Both Precious Mementos are charms. And now we're into the Mystic cards. Ceremonial Sickle which is one of the cards coming up here in Dowsing Rod of Charms, and Hello Chalice, also a preview card of Charms. Then there's the Crystal Pendulum, the Holy Rosary, the Scrying Mirror, St. Hubert's Key, all cards she can take, Talisman of Protection she can take. And then finally there's the Moon Pendant. So either we're going to see lots more Charms across the other factions, or there's nothing there that's super jumping out to me. The Precious Memento of both types is not too bad in terms of just the soak, because it's three soak for damage and horror. Potentially have a way of going high on a stat and healing damage, or knowing that you're going to fail certain tests and healing damage. That might be worth a look in. Just for the soak, three costs for three three is great. And the Dream Diary, you know that I'm a huge fan of it, so that's kind of cool. The Grizzly Totem, committing cards. Let's see if she kind of wants to do that. So Word of Woe, Word of Wheel, and Deafening Silence. Word of Woe, two-cost event, Amina Zidane deck only, fast, play only during your turn. Place one Doom on an asset you control to resolve an action ability on it, ignoring all costs, including its action cost. Then if Word of Wheel is in your discard pile, you may shuffle it into your deck. So not this, the other one you can shuffle in. The art, by the way, Alexander Karch, the thing in the background of Word of Woe is pretty terrifying. Is it channeling through her? So my headline with this is, of course, it's a way of getting an extra action for two cost, as long as you're happy to put a Doom on an asset you control. You get to ignore all costs as well. So, for instance, if it's something that requires, I don't know, adding another Doom as part of its cost or or something like that, uh, if it requires exhausting it like the Sword Cane, you could just use a Doom instead and get this extra action that means you can get more out of it. Of course, it means there's also then a case that you're gonna, your Doom is going to be really stacking up. So again, handling Doom or having ways to deal with it is good. Worth noting, of course, that the Ceremonial Sickle and the Dousing Rod, which we saw in the FFG article, do have ways of removing Doom from themselves. So it might be that you want to put a Doom on an asset, and it's one of those assets, and immediately use the asset to use its Doom removal ability. But I think that is kind of... What's the expression? Paying Adam to... No, it's paying someone to, to someone off. Robbing Peter to pay Paul. There we go. Paying Adam to pay Eve is where I went to with that. Robbing Peter to, to 
pay Paul. Yeah, if I'm using paying two and adding a doom and all I'm using is a doom removal ability, I'm treading water. I, I want to see this as a way of enabling something else. An abyssal tome comes to mind that I could be using this to get another go of a abyssal tome. And adding the doom is not just nice, it's extra uh, skill and it's extra damage. Word of Wheel, which is the other signature she has, is also fast. It's uh, another pact, zero cost event this time. Play when you perform a skill test on an asset with one or more doom on it. Add your willpower to your skill value for your test. Then if Word of Woe is in your discard pile, you may shuffle it into your deck. So, Word of Woe is a way of adding doom to assets alongside Amina's reaction ability. If I've done that, Word of Wheel is a way of adding my willpower, which starts at three, to tests on assets with doom on them. So straight away we see something with Amina where first action she could play an asset cheaply, putting a Doom on it. She could then Word of Woe to get a free action on that asset, adding a Doom to it. And she could then Word of Wheel to get Word of Woe back into her deck to do another action on that asset, this time with a big boost. It doesn't remove the Doom, but it's still nice. As we've seen that some of those cards, like the Sickle and the Rod, have ways of both adding and removing Doom, and it seems to me, off the top of my head, that the removal of Doom is the test that's harder. It doesn't come with a boost. It's less supported. It's just like this is the kind of the bog standard, let's keep this thing under control. It might be very nice to word of wheel on an asset and give yourself a boost. And as she's in Mystic, it might be particularly nice if you're also deciding to boost Mystic. Maybe you are running St. Hubert's Key or... I don't know, crystal, crystal Pendulum or upgrading into maybe Holy Rosary level 2 if that's a thing you're doing. And finally, we have Deafening Silence, her weakness, which is a treachery omen traded. Revelation, move one Doom from an asset you control to the current agenda. This may cause the current agenda to advance. If no Doom is moved in this way, shuffle Deafening Silence back into your deck. Flavor is amazing little gibberish. I wonder if there's a translation for this. I can see that the fourth symbol occurs again at the end. And in fact, the third symbol then occurs after it. I'm not sure if we've got enough information to decode this as a cipher, but maybe keep an eye out for more things that link to that. So yeah, this I think this is pretty nasty. If you've got Doom in play, you're, you've got a sort of a, a built-in Ancient Evils in your deck. It's uh, say Ancient Evils, it's, it's going to add a Doom from one of your cards so you were probably already factoring that doom but the bit that i think is the nasty bit is this may cause the current agenda to advance unexpected advancement of the agenda can lead to all sorts of problems because normally when an agenda advances there's some sort of effect on the b side of that agenda if you're lucky it's just shuffle the encounter discard pile into the encounter deck but it could be spawning an enemy it could be all sorts of other things so yeah just it's kind of nasty I don't think there's easy ways of mitigating this. What about Ikiak? Does Ikiak work on signatures or is she just on basics? Yeah, it's basic weaknesses that Ikiak works on. So no, Ikiak can't help with this. And that is our Mystic Investigator for the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion for players. Let's take a look. Wow, the customizables have a beautiful different art color on the back. Let's take a look at our Mystic cards, what a massive pile. Luckily, a lot of these have been previewed, so we can take a bit less time. 
Start with Living Ink. Wonderful art. A zero-cost asset. It's a ritual. It's customizable. When you purchase Living Ink, choose a skill and circle it on its upgrade sheet. Let's grab that upgrade sheet. It uses three charges. Remove one charge from Living Ink at the start of each of your turns. If Living Ink has no charges, discard it. So it's on a three-clock timer. You get plus one to the chosen skills. Takes up the body slot. So I pay zero and put this in my body slot. And I choose a skill, one of the four. And for the next three turns, I get plus one to that skill. Each turn I remove a charge. Straight away, I'm thinking if I've got ways of adding charges, that could give this a bit more value. But as I'll say for lots of customizables, it often feels like the level zero version is a little bit under the curve. And the whole point is that you can put up to 10 XP into customizables to give them value. So yeah, straight away, I'm not like, oh my goodness, this is the best thing ever. Oh, there's only one copy of it. It's the one copy lurking. <laughs> there's one copy lurking at the back of the other pile of cards. Let's look quickly at the upgrades. For customizables, I would like to do a customizable specific episode. So I'm not going to go into too much detail with these. We've got Shifting Ink. You may play Living Ink under the control of another investigator at your location. Now, when you've purchased it, you've circled the upgrade. So it's not like I could play Living Ink for, say, the Seeker and say, now you get Intellect Boost for three turns. I will have already chosen. But it might be that if I'm doing this in Mystic and I've got it for Willpower, I don't need the Willpower Boost. And for one XP, I can give it to someone else. Subtle Depiction. At the start of your turn, you may choose not to remove one charge from Living Ink and ignore its ability for the remainder of the round. Now that is nice. Beautiful, subtle idea. I'm going to get the plus one boost for a turn, but I'm going to control which turns I'm going to get it. Those are our two level ones. We've got two level twos. Or they're not level twos, they're they're cost of two. Imbued ink. Living ink enters play with two additional charges and takes up an arcane slot instead of a body slot. Okay, so I get five charges, but this is an arcane slot card. Arcane slots historically are not the slot you use for a stat boost unless it's baked into being one of your spell assets. We might see that Amina really doesn't care about her arcane slots. I'd like to see more of these cards to make a decision on that, in which case that could be nice. The other thing that's kind of cool about Imbued Ink, if you combine it with Shifting Ink, is potentially you're giving someone else a stat boost for five turns, and they might not care about their arcane slots. In non-Amina Mystics, that might be pretty tricky to sell, unless you're a specifically focused Mystic, where you're using Living Ink for boosting one particular stat and your role is just clues or just fighting or just evasion. So you're not looking to use your arcane slots for everything. And that's that's possible. In solo, I'm not going to do that because I'm probably, as a solo mystic, having a combat spell and an investigation spell unless I'm a mystic who can get clues otherwise. So yeah, I can't see that happening. Eldritch Ink, two, two ticks, circle another skill. Right. So yeah, that's kind of cool. For making this a level one card, you can have two skills boosted. And the wording is, remove one charge, you get plus one to the chosen skills. It's S in brackets. So wow, (laughs) that's kind of nice. And then there's another Eldritch Ink for three tick boxes. Circle another skill. So zero cost. Put this in play. You could have three of your four stats being boosted for three turns. That would be five XP. For one more subtle depiction, you could control when that triggers. So that's 6 XP. For another 2 imbued ink, you could have 5 turns rather than 3. I'm liking where this is going. 
And then there's two more three tick boxes. There's macabre depiction. Living ink gains reaction. After you reveal a chaos token with a symbol, exhaust living ink, place one charge on it. Love it! That's such a mystic thing. And vibrancy. Living ink grants an additional plus one to the circled skills and minus one to each other skill. Oh, okay. So I could have circled willpower as a mystic and I'm going all in on willpower. And that means for the three turns, I get plus two willpower, but all my other skills drop by one. That's not too bad. And actually combining that with Eldritch Ink and, yeah, combining that with even one Eldritch Ink, I can have two stats at plus two and two stats at minus two. Amina kind of doesn't care if she knows what she's doing on the turn. Say she's got intellect agility marked, she becomes a 1-5-1-5. This feels like a very Amina card just because of that, because of the way it can skew her stats. But the tricky thing is once you purchase this, the stat is locked. So you need to know what you're going to be using your stats for and how. And obviously you might not want to run into a situation where you suddenly need to take a willpower test and you're stuck. It's Importantly, it's remove one charge from living at the start of each of your turns. So you don't have this on board. Uh, you get plus one to the chosen skills. Okay, so it would carry over to Mythos, wouldn't it? It's not for your turn. So I play this in my turn. Nothing happens. At the start of my next turn, I remove a charge and the stat boost kicks in. And it just lasts until this discards. That's that's cool in itself as well. Okay, well, we need to move on. We'll return to customizables. I think that is a really nice first customizable for us to look at, exactly because it seems okay to manage and there's a lot of options there. With customizables, you might be shouting out at the screen, you've forgotten this, you've forgotten that at the screen. You're shouting at your your phone or your device for listening to the podcast. That's okay. There's so many combinations with customizables and there's so many investigators that they can fit into that, yeah, I might have forgotten things and that's all right. We'll come back to them when we do our customizable, I think, deeper look. And I mean, I'm saying this, but I don't know if Peter's really going to be up for it. I'd like to maybe have a couple of different angles to take each card and think about that. Right, we've got a a suite now of cards that have been announced by people. So next is Summon Servitor. Is that the same art as in Word of Wheel? It is, you know. I think it's the same creature. It's certainly got many eyes. This one has a a sort of cleft through its skull. So So this is a two-cost asset with a willpower icon. Not even an icon in Living Ink. You're only using it for that buff. It's a summon. It takes up the ally and the arcane slots. It's customizable. And as an additional cost to play Summon Servitor, you must discard another asset you control. Summon Servitor enters play at your location. It can take one action during each of your turns, which can only be used to take the following action. Move Summon Servitor to a connecting, revealed location. Pretty garbage to start with. This is a two-cost asset that takes up two slots and all it can do is move somewhere that you've already been. Not great. It doesn't do anything else. There is a little advantage here for Amina in that when you play it, you must discard another asset you control. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if some of your assets have lots of doom on it. In theory, you could use the Summon Servitor to discard two assets because if one of your assets is an ally slot asset that has doom on it, You could play Summon Servitor, discard another asset with Doom on it, and because this takes up the ally slot, it then bumps out whatever else is in your ally slot. Well, you choose what gets discarded or not. So you could 
bump out a David Renfield or bump out an Arcane Initiate if you're worried about Doom. That is pretty niche for a card that doesn't do anything else. But as we know from the FFG article, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different upgrades, five of them at level one. The Armored Carapace gives the Summoned Servitor a health value of three and it can be assigned damage dealt to any investigator at its location. My ears prick up at that because we talked about Amina needing access to some kind of soak and this is something admittedly at quite a demanding slot demand <laughs> claws that catch adds a fight ability fight any enemy at this location with a base combat of four ignore aloof and retaliate for this attack i really like that last phrase there obviously it makes sense for it to ignore or retaliate because it would get a bit confusing if the summon servitor is meant to be being retaliated against but also ignoring aloof means that potentially this is a way of like sniping an aloof cultist or maybe trying to hit a whippoorwill which is kind of good jaws that snatch has an evade you attempt to evade an enemy any enemy at this location with a base agility of four ignore the alert keyword for this evasion attempt pretty nice eyes of flame gives you an investigate with a base of intellect of four so that's kind of cool pay two the servitors following you around you can either move it or you can investigate and you've just got a, a reasonable-ish way of investigating and accruing clues. And Wings of Night, after Summon Servitor moves from your location to a connecting location, you may move to that location as well. Now, importantly for that one, because the Servitor can only move to revealed locations, you can't use this in solo as a way of the serv getting a free move action every turn, because the Servitor can't move anywhere you haven't been already. So that's a bit awkward, but worth noting that because the Servitor takes its action during each of your turns you can choose when i believe it doesn't say like at the start of your turn it just says during your turns so you could do something where if you're playing in multiplayer someone else moves on and then you go right i'm going to do my summon server to move first which carries me with it and then i'm going to do other things it of course kicks off when you get some higher xp options dominance for two xp means that the servitor no longer takes up an arcane or ally slot so that immediately reduces the slot pressure Dreaming Call for 3 XP, instead of discarding another asset you control in order to play the Servitor, you can return that asset to its owner's hand. So, pretty nice, I think. Particularly if you're using this to remove a doomed asset, getting that asset back to then use it again when appropriate is lovely. And particularly if that asset didn't cost you anything because you were a Mina and you used your discount, then playing it again at a discount is really lovely. And shout out to all of the cards in Mystic that have charges and run out of charges this would be great for and then finally demonic influence for 5 xp summon servitor can take two different actions instead of one during each of your turns my feeling about that is if you're doing the 10 xp summon servitor or at least 6 xp summon servitor because you're going to do demonic plus one extra action you're probably picking a focus for the servitor so for instance it's moving and investigating for you or it's going to be your i don't know evade solution so it's going to have a move and evade I think paying for all of the different options and have it be a jack-of-all-trades isn't quite as good, but that's just my instinct here, and I could be completely wrong. But that's, yeah, that's Summon Servitor. I'm aware that I'm really rabbiting on, so I'm going to move on. Next, we have Power Word, also in the FFG article. It's a three-cost event with an intellect icon. The art looks a little bit like Phoenix from X-Men. It's a spell, customizable, fast, play only during your turn, so three-cost fast. Attached to a non-elite enemy at your location. Action, if attached enemy is at your location, parlay 
Give it a command. Limit once per round per command. Go. This enemy moves once in a direction of your choice. Cower. This enemy exhausts. Importantly, it doesn't disengage, but it just exhausts, which can be useful. Now, Amina can't reduce the cost of this by three because she cares about assets. But if she has spare resources lying around because she has been reducing the cost of her assets, that three cost starts to look very affordable. Three cost is obviously mid-range, you know, should have an impact. But we know with the customizables that they might not at the lower levels. So yeah, at the moment, this is, you can move an enemy if they're at your location and you can make them cower, go and cower. The nice thing is because this is a parlay as well, you can play power word fast, no attacks of opportunity, and then you can parlay also no attacks of opportunity and move it. Upgrades. We've got betray. You add a command betray, which deals a damage to any enemy at this enemy's location with an equal or lower fight value than this enemy. Mercy, another command. An investigator at this location heals damage or horror equal to this enemy's respective damage or horror value. Confess, discover one clue at the enemy's location if its health is equal to or higher than its location shroud. I immediately like the sound of that one, but am I really having like a five health enemy get me clues from a four or five shroud location? It's kind of a scary situation. Distract automatically evade any enemy at this enemy's location with an equal or lower evade value than this enemy. That's kind of cool. Like The thing I like about Power Word is the image I'm getting is that you almost have a pet enemy, like the Deep One Bull, that you can exhaust. And if it stayed engaged with you, it, you're not actually getting hit by the engagement effect. And then you're using it for other effects, like getting clues or evading other enemies. And then we've got greater power, uh, sorry, greater control, Power Word gains free trigger return power word to your hand. I think that's sleeper great. Bonded, you may activate the parlay ability on Power Word from up to one location away from the attached enemy for 3 XP. And two other 3 XPs. Tongue Twister, when you parlay with Power Word, you may give up to two different commands. And Thrice Spoken, you may include three copies of Power Word in your deck. When you give a command using one copy, also give that command to each other enemy with one of your copies of Power Word attached. There is a dream here, isn't there, of getting all three in play on three different enemies across the map and then giving a single command and they all either whack themselves or all whack other enemies or all grab a clue and you just feel absolutely mighty. How possible that is, I do not know, but I like the thought of it. Customizables we're coming back to, so moving on. We have the Ceremonial Sickle, also in the FFG article. Three cost asset, combat icon, item, charm, weapon, melee. Action, fight. Use either your willpower or get plus one combat for this attack. When you initiate this ability, choose one. Exhaust Ceremonial Sickle and place one Doom on it to get plus one skill value and deal plus one damage for this attack. Or, if this attack defeats an enemy, remove one Doom from Ceremonial Sickle. Flashback to what I was saying about Amina. This is exactly where there is that choice. The second choice is you need to hit. You're not getting a bonus to hit. You're not getting bonus damage, so you're hoping for it to be a one health enemy, and you just have a way of removing Doom. So the Doom removal ability is pretty crummy. And then there's also the Adder Doom ability, which is plus one skill and deal plus one damage for this attack. So Amino attacks at a five. Most Mystics, if they're using their willpower and use the Doom ability, would be a five or six, which is nice. There are a couple of other mystics that might care about using the combat option if they're at this roughly the same height as Amina. 
So you're thinking about, say, Jim has Combat 3. You might be thinking about that. I think Agnes is 2. Dexter is 3 as well. And Dexter might be interested in a lot of these Doom-related assets because he can get them into play and out of play quickly. I like the sickle. I feel like it's been taunting us as a piece of this puzzle, and I want to see the other cards now and see how they fit together. Next, we have the Dousing Rod, also announced by FFG. Four-cost asset, intellect icon, item and charm traded. Action, investigate. Either use your willpower or get plus one intellect for this investigation. When you initiate this ability, choose one. Exhaust Dousing Rod and place one Doom on it to move to a connecting location. Or... If this investigation if this investigation discovers the last clue at a location, remove one doom from Dowsing Rod. I didn't mention for the sickle, but the other thing to note is that the powerful ability is an exhaust ability, and then the doom removal ability is uncapped. Why that matters, I suppose, is in theory with the Dowsing Rod you can keep using the second ability and remove doom but you only get one move a turn from it because you're exhausting it, unless you have a way of readying it somehow. <clears throat> Sinita. Much the same, I think, here. Most mystics have high willpower. We do have a couple of four intellect mystics, though. Marie springs to mind, Gloria springs to mind, that might want to be doing the intellect thing instead. Importantly as well, there are no extra boosts on either ability here. It's not like one is an exhaust, you get plus one to your skill and you get an extra clue. It's just you get a move. So I feel like with the Dowsing Rod, you might be just using this mostly for just using it as a booster intellect or as a way of investigating with willpower. And for me, it competes with Sixth Sense in that space. And maybe you're using this as a way of, okay, I have a willpower investigation tool. Sometimes I'll get a move out of it. I might be getting last clues, particularly in solo. And that frees up an arcane slot for combat and evasion spells or other things that I'm putting in my arcane slot, like Living Ink, like the Servitor. So yeah, I can see this fulfilling a role uh, alongside that, I suppose. Have I been clear in expressing myself there? Basically, it's maybe a possible sword cane, but for investigation for some mystics. And at four cost, it's probably right on where it should be. Next we have... Hallowed Chalice. This is our first non-FFG announced card. It was Los Archivos de Arkham. Shout out to them. Three cost asset with a willpower icon, item and charm traded. Action. Choose an investigator at your location and either choose one. Exhaust Hallowed Chalice and place one doom on it to heal two damage or two horror from that investigator. Or heal one damage or horror from that investigator. If you heal the last damage or horror from that investigator, Remove one Doom from Hallowed Chalice. Takes up a hand slot. It's beautiful looking as well. I think it's really nice. So because it heals damage and horror, Vincent and Carolyn can take it. Just chucking it out there. So how does this interact with our other Doom-related assets? It's a similar templating. The top ability is an exhaust, a Doom, and it's two or two. The bottom ability is a one or one. And if you can heal the last from someone maybe you're removing a doom. In theory, if someone's taken three damage and they're worried, maybe you do the exhaust ability, place a doom to heal two damage from them, and then straight away do the second ability, heal one damage from them, which gets rid of the doom. You've stayed doom neutral then. You've healed three damage over two actions, which is all right. And you're on, you know, that person is no longer about to be killed by a grasping hands or any other damage dealing engagement, enemy hit, treachery, so on. 
I think it's okay. I think healing generally is always going to struggle to get involved. And three cost is particularly painful for it. If I'm playing this with Amina for free with a Doom on it, and then just healing one damage for an action to clear the Doom, that's not bad. And how does Word of Woe and Word of Wheel interact with this? Well, Word of Wheel doesn't create a test, <laughs> so there's no test here anyway, so that wouldn't help. But Word of Woe, we could put another Doom on this to activate it again. I don't know if I'm just if I'm happy to just put a Doom to just get another heal too. Worth noting that Word of Woe, place one Doom in an asset you control, resolve an action ability, ignoring all costs. I think the exhaust, is the exhaust a cost? No, the cost is just the action. So in theory, yeah, Word of Wheel, if I'm reading this, no, sorry, Word of Woe, if I'm reading this right, you can first action exhaust the Hallowed Chalice, put a Doom on it, heal two damage or horror from an investigator. You could then pay two with Word of Woe, place a Doom on an asset, and ignore the action cost to trigger it again. And it's a choose, isn't it? So we'd have to go to the rules and double check how choose works. Reading again, target and must. There isn't a must on here anyway. I think you could do that. But I'm sure people who know the rules better than I would will tell me whether that's right or not. The term choose indicates that one or more targets must be chosen in order for an ability to resolve. So I could choose the exhaust ability and I could not exhaust it again because it's already exhausted, but I, it doesn't say then. So I could just leave Hello Chalice exhausted, place another Doom and heal another two. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's healing, so, you know, there you go. And now we're on to our first player card. No, we had Living Ink. We've had Living Ink. Our second player card that's not a customizable, I suppose. Is there an evasion whatever these assets are. If you've got a good name for this this um, quartet of assets, if there's a quartet that do stuff with Doom and have the choice, I'd love to hear it. The charms, the mystic charms. This is Onyx Pentacle, Drazinka Kimple, smashing the art, that's amazing. Three cost asset, agility icon, item and charm traded, action, evade. Either use your willpower or get plus one agility for this evasion attempt. When you initiate this ability, choose one. Exhaust Onyx Pentacle and place one Doom on it to target any enemy at your location or a connecting location and get plus one skill value for this evasion attempt. If you succeed by two or more, remove one Doom from Onyx Pentacle. And that, if you succeed, is the second ability. So it's not just if you succeed, you have to succeed by two or more. Now that I like in combination with Word of Wheel, where you could add your willpower to your skill value, and that would maybe help you succeed by two or more. Is there maybe a succeed by X Amina deck out there with Lucky Cigarette Case for draw, and hoping maybe to combine stats with the Dream Eater spell events, and maybe getting big boosts to certain stats, maybe with Living Ink, perhaps? So this is pretty cool, I think. I'm anyway big on Evasion because I play a lot of solo. The effect that the Doom ability gives you a bigger range. You can evade someone at your location who's engaged with someone else. Obviously, that doesn't work for solo. is nice. But also, you can evade someone somewhere else as well. Just a different location. It's really cool. And the Succeed by More. This is probably the hardest to clear the Doom. You compare this with Dowsing Rod, where it's just if you get the last clue. In solo, that's a doddle. Succeed by two or more. You're leaving yourself to the vagaries of the Chaos Bag to land it. 
but all the same, I think it's nice. Now we have a slot challenge here. If you want to run Sickle, Dowsing Rod, maybe Chalice, and Onyx Pentacle, you need four hand slots and you only got two. So there's probably scope here for selecting, well, which do I take and how and why? And how do I fit them together? And we're through to Eldritch Initiation. This was previewed by Miskatonic University Radio. Shout out to them. This is a one-cost event with willpower and intellect icons. It's a ritual. For each arcane slot you have, draw one card, max five. For each filled arcane slot you have, choose and discard one card from your hand. By both light and shadow, may dusk beget dawn. May the turning of the world lead to power everlasting. So for each arcane slot, you start with two. So pay one, draw two. Not great. You'd probably want to play this when you already have another arcane slot. Maybe you're running the dragon pole. If you filled those arcane slots, you then have to turn the draw into filtered draw, which is a little bit more tricky. I think this is a card that will probably fit in combo decks that are doing that hierophant all of my accessory slots are arcane slots and I have more slots thing, maybe with the dragon pole. And there's probably some sort of slotless or mystic arcane slot, slotless build where this is draw five. Clearly the fact that they've put a max on this means that there are ways to make this into an incredibly powerful level zero one cost draw. But I think this only really fits in those decks would be my read on it. And if you're just putting this in as a draw two, if you see it early in the game, great, you draw two, but you're paying a resource and a card to draw two, which is not great. If you've somehow already got another arcane slot, chances are you've put something in one of your arcane slots, and maybe you're using this to close out a scenario and dig for that final piece you need, or I just need a promise of power, I just need boosts to get through this. So maybe you're paying one and you're chucking all of your duplicates away. That's possible, but it feels to me like there's plenty of work to be done to make this really potent. That said, I love Scroll of Prophecies, and I don't run it enough, and that's a draw three discard one each time. I say that, I can't remember how Scroll of Prophecies works. Yeah, it's draw three, discard one, and you can do that four times with it. I I think the reason that card is so powerful is it's good early in a scenario to set up. Of course, you don't like discarding cards, but still, it's not the end of the world. And it's great closing out a scenario if you're looking for a particular thing. So there's maybe room if you're regularly having at least one more arcane slot, pay one, draw three, and maybe you're you're choosing and discarding within that. The, the I mean, the, the penalty here, like the ideal case is pay one, draw five. But for that to work, you need to have five arcane slots that you're not planning to use. And that seems very unrealistic to me. Whoa. The art. The art. <laughs> the art has been fantastic so far through this. And Explosive Ward, that looks maybe like a Night Gaunt just being blown apart, is our next card. This is an X-cost event with double combat icons. It's a spell. Before you play Explosive Ward, you may discard any number of cards from your arcane slots. Oh, okay. Well, that's if you've got Eldritch Initiation and you want to do that. And if you have Doom on those cards, because you've been Amina, deal X damage to a non-elite enemy engaged with you. X cannot be greater than the number of empty arcane slots you have. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Deal X damage. So the enemy has to be engaged with me. So I could just 
play this for one and deal one damage if I have one empty arcane slot. If I have two empty arcane slots, I could pay two to deal two damage to an enemy, and it doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity, so I don't get hit for doing it. That's the basic. If I have three empty arcane slots, this is pay three, deal three. It's okay. Potentially this is pay four, deal four, which is nice if I've got four empty arcane slots. I think I need to go back and learn more about boosting my arcane slots in Mystic, because I don't feel like there are lots of ways of doing that, but I could be completely wrong. So I've searched for the word arcane. Obviously it throws up some things that, that are just self-referential, like arcane initiate. But we've got Book of Shadows level three and level yeah, level three gives you an additional arcane slot. Dragon Pole gives you an additional arcane slot. The Familiar Spirit gives you an additional arcane slot, which only holds a spell. Meditative Trance cares about your slots being filled. Sign Magic is an additional arcane slot to hold a spell or a ritual. And Hierophant is an additional arcane slot. So yeah, it's as limited as I thought it was. So you're probably running one of those cards in some way. Maybe Familiar Spirit. So an easy, that's probably the, yeah, is the cheapest and easiest way to get boosted up. Although Sign Magic as well, you could boost to have more arcane slots. So is this any good? It's The thing that I'm pausing about is it's pay X to do X. So it's the same as, as in, it's not pay X to do X plus one. <laughs> that's what I mean. There isn't the extra bonus of getting, say, you've got one empty arcane slot and you can use this to kill a two health enemy. You're going to have to be empty arcane slots to even deal with two health enemies. So I think where I like this is maybe killing off weenies. I have one empty arcane slot and this is just a pay one, no test, dealt with things. I save a shriveling charge or whatever other spell I'm using for combat and it's testless. I like that. And maybe if I'm running completely arcane slot empty, this is a useful card for dealing with specific enemies. Like say a Brotherhood Cultist, if I've got three empty arcane slots, I pay three, just it's dead. That's kind of nice. The fact that you don't get a tax opportunity is particularly good, I think. It's just the damage is limited, potentially. I, for a long time, have been a big fan of sneak attack, and that's two actions and two resources to deal two damage. Obviously, normally it's in a faction where they've got enough actions that they don't care, and Mystic is much more action taxed than Rogue is, generally speaking. But this isn't two actions, it's just a single action if you've got the empty arcane slots. Worth noting, if the cards in your arcane slots you don't mind discarding, maybe because they have doom on them or they've just run out, that's fine as well. But you could be running full arcane slots and then need to do two damage to kill an enemy. So maybe first action you've used the last charge and you're shriveling and it's the final boss fight. All you need is to do two more damage and the enemy is dead. You play Explosive Ward, it's dead. So events, we've had Eldritch Initiation, Explosive Ward, and then we have String of Curses, which was announced on Reddit, which was great. Shout out to the mods of Reddit. They did a fantastic job previewing cards. I love the look of this card. One cost event, combat and agility icons. It's a spell. It's a parlay, weirdly. Choose a non-elite enemy at your location and either choose one. Automatically evade that enemy and place one Doom on it. It cannot take damage for the remainder of the round. Just wait for it. Discover one clue at that location, at your location. Or, if that enemy has one or more doom on it, defeat it. Gain one resource for each doom that was on it. The non-elite is important here because there's so much good stuff 
that yes, they need to make sure that this can't work against elite enemies, particularly because if you've got two of these in hand and they're happy to play them over successive turns, you're in. The first thing you can do is add a doom to an enemy. It can't take damage, but you get a clue as well, and you evaded it. There's so many abilities there, an auto-evade and a clue. Yes, there's a doom, but the enemy is dealt with. It's not on you anymore, and you've got a clue. If you're just using this to move on and you don't care about the doom, amazing. But if you want to stick around and you have another copy of this, the following turn, if that enemy has one or more doom on it, it's just dead. So you could add a doom to an acolyte that already has a doom and then you're paying one to get two resources and it's dead. It's important that it's defeated, not discarded. So if you've got a way of adding doom to enemies like Amina's Elder Sign that are VP enemies, you've just got a one one shot dead, which is really cool. You've got doom on you, you're dead now. And because it's a spell, potentially you put this on Diana Esperance and just go ham, play it heavily. Why do I like this card so much? I just think it's... It's so many juicy little bits of design. The fact that it's a parlay, so it doesn't need the text. This does not provoke attacks or opportunity. Lovely. The fact that it's an auto-evade and a clue. So it's that. They're, they're the things that I often find when I'm playing solo. I need an evade. I need a clue. I want to move on. And how do I do that efficiently? If I want to play any more assets, that's four actions. So how do you compress all of those things together? And this does that so nicely. And then I think the bottom ability that if the enemy has a doom on it, there's just so many cheeky plays for that. Imagine Wizard Wizard of the Order comes out early on. You've got a bit of time to let Wizard of the Order gain a doom or two. Your solution for dealing with Wizard of the Order could just be walk into that location, play String of Curses. The Wizard of the Order already has two doom on it. And you add another doom and you just gain three resources and killed the Wizard of the Order. You haven't tried to pass a combat four test. You haven't needed a two damage solution. Done. Love it. Next, we hit the XP. We're about to go into a run of cards that were previewed as well, but there are a lot. My voice, I've got (laughs) five more episodes to record right after this. Let's see how my voice holds up. Next is Binder's Jar. Is there? It looks like there's a double space accidentally in the title there between the S and the J of Jar, but it could just be that the the I can't, I can't remember all the names for my bits of typography, but the the hook at the bottom of the J might just be pushing space. Anyway, this is an interdimensional prison, and the art in the background is this little horned shadow, and the jar has a wax seal that looks like it's been popped with an elder sign on it. Two cost, one XP asset with a willpower icon. <laughs> Item and relic trader. I'm laughing because I saw you get plus one arcane slot as the top thing there. So hang on, let's let's give this my attention you get plus one arcane slot for each enemy beneath binder's jar okay not looking at the card anymore straight away super exciting back we go so the cards we've seen so far that care about this are eldritch inspiration where it's drawing cards for arcane slots and explosive ward where it's damage for arcane slots uh, both care about empty eldritch inspiration could get round without okay two reaction abilities and this takes up the accessory slot. After a non-elite enemy is defeated at your location, place that enemy face down beneath Binder's Jar. Limit two enemies beneath it. Okay. When an enemy attacks you, discard an enemy beneath Binder's Jar that shares a trait with the attacking enemy. Cancel that attack! Okay. Wow. Is this my favourite card so far from the Scarlet Keys? What a 
loony card. So you can only put two enemies underneath it. So this is a plus two arcane slot. So we're not at that five arcane slot thing yet. But maybe with these familiar spirit, we could be there. You need to have found enemies and killed them with this as well. And you need to have found this and played it and have it before you kill the enemies. The bit I really love, this is a little bit like a Ruth Westmacott ability, the interaction of traits. So discard an enemy beneath that shares a trait just for cancel. So you could be running the Binder's Jar, not for the arcane slots necessarily, but as a kind of cancellation thing. How does it interact with Diana Stanley? I think when she cancels the enemy, she could then put the jar underneath her, which isn't ideal, I suppose. I think this is really cool. <laughs> I think so. I don't know if it's strong, but it's really fun. I play this early. Obviously, I want this early. An enemy is defeated. I don't have to kill the enemy, but I just slot it under. So someone first turn, they draw a rats. I grab the rats. I've now got three arcane slots. That's been a pretty good way of getting to three arcane slots. It's not as actionless as sign magic, but it's cheaper. And it's not necessarily as reliable as just a familiar spirit or even running the Hierophant. So yeah, it's kind of in the middle of the road in terms of arcane slots. But I could just keep the enemies underneath there and I could steadily have four arcane slots if I've got two. But I've also got this option of trait-based cancellation. Most scenarios have a an enemy type that is the focus. So through Innsmouth, most of the enemies are deep ones, although not always. Some of them are they're just humanoids. I think some of them are the deep one hybrids hybrid as well. Maybe, maybe not. There are some cultists in there as well, though. So they're they're just humanoids. Most scenarios have sets of things like that, so they're manageable. And then the, th the enemies that are normally avoiding that are things like where you get Avatar or Ancient One, some traits that seem to be normally one enemy per scenario, if at all, and that way they could be protected from it. But you think about, say, in Night of the Zealots, you're going to have Ghoul and you're going to have Humanoid throughout. You're probably going to see Monster most of the time. Monster and Humanoid are the two most popular enemy traits. And so, yeah, I can see that happening and there being monsters around yeah i love it i think it's cool is there any more i can say about it i don't think so i'm really really i wasn't expecting to come into this to be excited about the arcane slot empty arcane slot thing but i think that's that's really cool so we're starting to build my amina deck already in my head summon servitor kind of gets in the way of that living ink doesn't so i could living ink i could ceremonial sickle and dousing rod maybe onyx pentacle as well yeah, I could basically windmill slam most of the cards I've looked at so far into a single deck. Right, on we go. Next, we have Ghastly Possession. This was previewed by Optimal Play. Shout out to Optimal Play. This is a one cost skill, uh, one XP cost, I should say, with a wild icon. Wonderful art from Anders Fiener. Innate and spell traded. So Arcane Initiate could find it for you. And because it's innate, Silas could take it. After you commit Ghastly Possession to a skill test on an asset, choose one. Place one Doom on that asset. Ghastly Possession gains two wild icons. So for a Doom, this is a plus three. Or if this test is successful, either remove one Doom from that asset or replenish half of its uses rounded down. I don't think replenish has been... The reason I'm pausing and looking is I would assume with replenish, say I'm on... 
say I've got a shriveling, four charges. Shriveling is my go-to mystic spell. If I replenish two of its uses, half of its uses, that's two. Can I use this to go above four? But I don't think there's anything that says uses is a, a limit or a cap. You know, think of the BAR, you can just double and double as, as long as you like. But there's something about the word replenish for me. It's not just add half of its uses or add, you know, uses equal to half the printed number. I'm wondering if replenish means it can only go up to where it started at or not. And yeah, if you have clarification on that, that would be useful. Maybe I'm overthinking it and just getting into the weeds of what the word replenish means. So we have another choice, which is really nice. You can just commit this for one wild. All of this text only kicks in if you commit this to a skill test on an asset. So I could commit this to a skill test on my Onyx Pentacle, grabbing that from the cards. I could add a Doom to that card to give this plus three. And that would be really nice if I'm using the second ability on the Onyx Pentacle and trying to succeed by two or more to remove a Doom. Although I'm just adding a Doom to remove a Doom, so it makes no sense. I could instead go Doom Heavy and use it for the top ability on Onyx Pentacle. So we've now added two Doom. We're evading something not at our location, which is amazing. And we're getting plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four. <laughs> if I'm using Agility, that's plus five Agility. So I'm evading at an eight as Amina. Evading at an 8 as Agnes, evading at 7 as Jim, you know, these are high stats. But also I could commit this with Ghastly Possession, I could commit this to the Pentacle for the first ability, I'm adding a Doom, and if this is successful I can then remove a Doom. So I'm basically getting around the Doom adding part of it. Here's the big question that I'm sort of circling around through all of these cards. Is removing Doom from assets that I can add Doom to just treading water? Or is there something sneaky to be done here about using Doom abilities and then exploiting them by quickly removing the Doom? So the cost, air quotes, of the Doom is immediately nullified. It's like, I don't know, I'm just going to try and think of it in other terms. If you've got a card that says, you know, you take two damage and then you get to do a really good thing and then you then immediately heal the damage... Are you just quids in or are you wasting time doing the thing that you could have just done better without the damage and the heal? So, so much of that interplay is how costly is it to have removed the doom and would you just have been better to not have worried about it? I haven't got an answer yet. I will try and find out. Next card is Astral Mirror. This card is important for a couple of reasons. The first is that I do believe... Yes. This is the card that I will be playing for the Ambassador Project. Be an ambassador for my card. Randomly pick one card in the set that hasn't been picked by someone else. When the set comes out, try out your card and tell other people about your experiences. So I'm going to be trying out this card. And this card was announced by... By... My form has gone wrong. By... Whisper in Darkness. Shout out to Whisper in Darkness, also known as Man from Lane. Astral Mirror, 3 cost, 2 XP asset with a combat icon. This is the art I'm not as wild about. It's a bit more sort of cartoony. It's Borja Pindado or Borja. Ritual traded. For each of your arcane slots that are empty, you have one additional hand slot. And you may take an additional action during your turn, which can only be used to play an asset into one of your hand slots. Takes up the body slot. Well, there goes the Living Ink plan for my Amina deck. Bingo. There's our hand slot answer. I'd forgotten about this card. Sorry if you were shouting about it that I'd forgotten that this card was previewed. 
two empty uh, arcane slots, so I've got four hands if I have Astral Mirror in play, and I get an extra action, which is to fill those assets in those slots. If I'm discarding assets from my hand slots because either they're running out of charges, say Flashlight, or I just want to get rid of the Doom if I'm running the Charm Suite. Are we going to call them the Charm Cards? Are they all even Charms? They are. The Mystic Charms. If I'm running them, the Doom, the doom Cards, the Doom Charms. Doom Charms? Anyway, if I'm doing that, great. There's the extra actions for doing it. I think this card definitely fits in a specific build, and that specific build is I want empty arcane slots, I want full hand slots. So you need to know what you're doing with that. I wouldn't run this in pretty much any conventional mystic because I want to fill my arcane slots. So this is a way of then doing that non-arcane non slot thing. Maybe this finds a place in, say, Dexter, who also might be doing things with hand slots, particularly if he's got sword cane and then is doing other things. He does have the high willpower, though, so giving up on using your arcane slot for willpower replacement effects seems a bit of a shame. When I saw this previewed, I was like, okay, that fits a very specific build, and I don't know if we've seen enough for that build. And now that I've seen Eldritch Initiation, which I knew about already, man, Eldritch Initiation and Eldritch Inspiration, it's going to get so confusing. But I've also seen Explosive Ward, and I've seen Binder's Jar. That's really cool. Binder's Jar combined with this means for each enemy I kill, I get an extra arcane slot. And for each of my arcane slots that's empty, I have an additional hand slot. Just those two cards together seems like a really nice combo. So yeah, that is the Astral Mirror. I will be talking more about it once I've played it, because I am the ambassador for Astral Mirror, very happily. Next is El Rubash, Purifying Purpose. Love it when mystics get witch allies, and this is an ally in witch. She's three cost, two XP, Willpower and Agility Icons, Ally and Witch Traded. She was announced by Mythos Busters. Curse their name forever, but they did do a good announcement. You get plus one skill value while resolving a skill test on an attached asset. One Doom on each attached asset does not count towards the agenda's Doom threshold. Free Trigger, Exhaust Elrubash, choose an asset in your play area with one or more Doom on it, attach it to Elrubash, or switch it with an attached asset. Limit two attached assets. One health, two sanity, ally slot. Back to the pile we go. She competes with the summon servitor for the ally slot. Although the summon servitor we can change to only take up an arcane slot. Which is nice rather than the charisma. How much does it cost to do that? That takes up two XP, so it's one cheaper than charisma. Is that the only ally we've seen? Yes, it is. Is that right? Yeah. I talked about L a bit on our preview of Sinita. So just to go through that very briefly, there's loads going on here. You're getting boosts for the card that you've attached to L, and you can have two cards attached here. So I could put in play the Sickle by putting a Doom on it, and then immediately pull it onto L, and that Doom now no longer counts. And this links to that thing I talked about just moments ago when I was talking about ghastly possession of how much effort are you going into to remove or otherwise mitigate doom that you're putting into play. And if you're going into too much effort, it's just going to punish you in the end uh, or it's just going to be too time consuming. For L, once L is in play, you once you have a, a card with doom on it, you essentially don't have a card with doom on it. You still get the effects of having the doom there. So whether that's free from Amina or whether that's some other boost for having doom on it, but it can sit there floating one doom. 
and the urgency to use the second ability on a lot of these assets is removed. But you also get plus one skill while resolving a skill test on an attached asset. So if I have the sickle on there, I could use the top ability of the sickle to add another doom. I'd get plus one combat, plus one for that ability, and plus one from L. So suddenly I'm getting a plus three for using the sickle. Super nice. Same with uh, Dowsing Rod. I wouldn't get a plus one for the top ability, but I'd still get a plus one intellect and a plus one from L. And I like it for Onyx Pentacle, where you might be trying to succeed by a certain amount for the second ability. Straight away, super good. And then finally, the free trigger to exhaust L. You do need to choose an asset in your play area with one or more Doom on it, but you can also attach it to L or just switch it as well. I think that's really nice, just clearing up how attaching works. It's a free trigger. It's only once a turn, but it just gives you a lot more freedom. I think she's really great. She's a centerpiece for this Doom stuff. She gives you such space to fiddle around with, okay, actually that Doom doesn't count. And I think she's great. <gasps> Next, we have Moonlight Ritual, level two. Well, well, well. Testing my memory of Moonlight Ritual. Intellect, agility, and now a wild icon. It's gained the wild icon. Spell and insight traded. Pretty sure it was that before. Fast, play only during your turn. Remove all doom from a non-elite card at your location. Flavor in the name of the moon. Okay, it's become fast. Pretty sure Moonlight Ritual was free before but it's also removing Doom now from a non-elite card. So it can be any player card, but also any encounter card, apart from elite enemies that are at your location. The act and the agenda aren't at your location, so you can't use this to remove all Doom from the agenda. But yes, if there's, I don't know, a location that adds Doom for failing tests, I'm pretty sure there's one in Blood on the Altar. There's definitely other Doom-related locations. I've just played Weaver of the Cosmos again, where, yeah, lots of locations have Doom abilities. This is a way of clearing that, which is great. Wow, for only 2 XP as well. The 2 XP in Survivor, you're playing Fortune or Fate, which is a one and done. I think it's two cost, just to cancel one Doom. And this is like, yeah, 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 let it, let it rack up, and then I'll clear. This seems really nice. This is such a nice solution for the type of play I was describing earlier, of like, let's go really Doom heavy. And yeah, you can do that and go really Doom heavy. And then Moonlight Ritual is a clear. The fact it's fast now. What's the cool expression the kids use now? A glow up? Definitely a, a funky upgrade to Moonlight Ritual. Next we have Sin Eater. This was previewed by Drawn to the Flame episode 255, which is now like 10 episodes ago. How time has passed. Art, incredible. Brian Valenzuela. It's not got a cost, it's 3 XP, it's permanent and exceptional, so it costs you 6 XP, it's a ritual. It has a free trigger, exhaust Sin Eater, move one Doom from an asset you control to Sin Eater. Sorry, I say Sin Eater and people get confused, Sin Eater. Then either ready that asset or place one charge on it. Action, remove all Doom from Sin Eater. We've not seen any cards with charges so far apart from Living Ink. We're probably not putting a Doom on Living Ink to play it. Yeah, so you can't even do... I mean, we could put a Doom on it just to get a charge on it, but that seems useless. Where this is going to interact with our Charm Suite is you can move a Doom off one of these Charms so you don't need to use the weaker second ability to clear the Doom, and you then get a ready. So, for instance, with the Dowsing Rod, I exhaust the Dowsing Rod, I place a Doom on it to move to a connecting location, and then investigate. And then I move the Doom off to Sinita. That readies my Dowsing Rod. And 
I'm ready to go again so I could investigate again. If there was two Doom on the Dowsing Rod, I could maybe try and do the bottom ability and get a clue and clear the other Doom. Or I'm ready to use the top ability again and another Doom and on I go. You just get extra value. You get to use the, the top ability, the exhaust abilities twice in a turn if you want to. In our preview, we also talked about how you could be doing this with all sorts of other cards that aren't hand assets. So you could be doing things with allies like Renfield to ready and use again and make lots of money. Even with Arcane Initiate, ready and get two searches. And that's before we even think about the charge ability. If you've used Amina to put a Doom on a spell, because you're doing a spell Amina, suddenly you can be doing things where you're getting more charges and just more value. <gasps> well, welcome, welcome. The either side of Sin Eater are two upgrades to cards we've seen before. This is Uncaged the Soul, level three. Zero cost. It's willpower and a wild icon now. So one of the willpower icons has morphed. It's spirit traded. That's the same. Wow, text. But immediately confused by the text. You may discard a spell or ritual asset you control, play a spell or ritual card from your hand or discard pile, reducing its resource cost by three. The power seized her, made her shudder and spasm. Its energy united with hers, and then she, she burped. She opened her eyes. I'll edit out my burp. Spell or ritual asset. So we can discard one, and then we can play from hand or discard pile. So that means I could play power word from my discard pile if the enemy has left play and I get it back. Play eldritch initiation from my discard pile. It's a ritual, but I would only be saving one. I could play a string of curses from my discard pile. May discard a spell or ritual asset you control. I'm not immediately getting the use of that beyond clearing doom off something. Although the extra use here is just emptying the slots in case I want to then do some empty arcane slot play. So it seems to me that that first line, you may discard a spell or ritual asset you control, is one of those sleeper lines that might actually be strong, but I'd need to see it in play to make a judgment. The next part is it's gained, you can play a spell or ritual from your hand, which it already had, but or discard pile. I think that's really cool. Oh, here's the other option. Discard an empty shriveling or insert spell name of your choice. Play that from your discard pile. So it's it's a combined recharge with an uncage. What I really need is another right of seeking because my right of seeking is empty. I'll play uncage the soul, discard right of seeking, and then play right of seeking from my discard pile. It's a way of just resetting one. I think you can do that because you do it in order. You discard one. You don't have to choose what you're playing before you do the discard. Oh, heady. That's pretty strong. We have one, two, three cards left. They are all... Wow, this is... My voice is going to be gone. They are all upgrades to the Charm Suite. We've had basically this whole episode to get a name for these. The one that's not getting an upgrade is the Hallow Chalice. So... Ceremonial Sickle. This was shown to us by playing board games. Shout out to their awesome YouTube channel. If you've not checked them out, they do loads of content. This is three cost. It's now got two combat icons and it's four XP. Going to get the original of each of these ready. Item Charm Weapon Melee is the same. Action, fight. Either use your willpower or get plus one combat for this attack. So you've spent four XP so far for just one more icon. When you initiate this ability, choose one. Exhaust the sickle, place a doom on it. You get plus three skill value and deal plus one damage. Or if this attack defeats an enemy, ready ceremonial sickle and remove all doom from it. 
So a couple of subtle change-ups here. The Doom ability is now plus 3 instead of plus 1 for your skill, but the damage is the same. But the second ability, the weaker ability, has got better. It's now a readying effect to allow you to go again with the top ability. And if it kills an enemy, you get rid of all the Doom on this card. So potentially I've been Amina, I've put a Doom to play this for free, and I've gone straight away with my second action exhausting and adding another Doom to do a big hit. If I can somehow land the bottom ability and kill an enemy, maybe it's a three health enemy, the sickle comes back and all the doom is cleared. Again, going to our conversation ongoing about doom, efficiently clearing big clumps of doom if you can pull it off is so much better than trying to clear one at a time. We talked about it in our Sin Eater preview where you don't really want to be using that action if you can possibly help it for one doom at a time, although you might need to. You want to be trying to accumulate lots of Doom and then wipe it at once. That's where Moonlight Ritual Level 2 is really nice because it's fast. So you can go really heavy into adding Doom and then at the last minute clear it all. The part I'm sad about about Level 4 Sickle is that it doesn't do any more damage. And it makes sense because it's Mystic, it's not Guardian. But it feels like I'm getting more boosts and more clear clearing of Doom. But I'm kind of still stuck. If I can't land that last hit and defeat an enemy, the sickle is exhausted, I can't get the boost, I can't remove Doom from it. Kind of kind of frustrating. Maybe I'm putting that straight onto L to get the boost, and probably I'm doing that rather than using the Sin Eater ready. And going back to Word of Wheel and Word of Woe, with Word of Wheel, fast, I could add my willpower to a skill test, so that's nice. And with Ghastly Possession, I could... Ooh, that's really nice. After you commit Ghastly Possession to a skill test on an asset, choose one, place one Doom on that asset, and you get plus three. I could use Ghastly Possession for the second ability on Ceremonial Sickle. It's now got three Doom on it, say, but I'm clearing all of it because the Ceremonial Sickle doesn't just clear one Doom, it clears all. That's nice. You lean really hard into the Dooming ability and get a clear. So that's the Sickle. The Dowsing Rod. 4 cost, 4 XP, 2 intellect icons. Let's see the pattern they've done here. Action investigate. Either use your willpower or get plus 1 intellect for this investigation. When you initiate this ability, choose 1. Exhaust Dowsing Rod. Place 1 Doom on it to move to a connecting location and get plus 2 skill value for this investigation. Okay, it's added the plus 2. If this investigation discovers the last clue at your location, ready Dowsing Rod and remove all Doom from it. Okay, lovely. Same templating, same pattern. The plus two is really nice. I haven't mentioned Diana Stanley for these, but she might really like them because she might use her normal stats or she might use her willpower. Normal stats, her non-willpower stats. So she can maybe make use of these throughout a scenario, which is lovely. And the reason I thought of Diana there is that I have run a well-prepared Diana where she does like pairs of icons because they're exhausting well-prepared for another plus two for your intellect, which is really nice. Okay, that's pretty cool. Similar thing again, where you're getting the readying, you're then adding another Doom, you're moving on. It's really nice. And then finally, the Onyx Pentacle, 3 cost, 4 XP, 2 Agility Icons. We see the pattern. Item and Charm, Evade. Use your Willpower or get plus 1 Agility for this evasion attempt. When you initiate this ability, choose 1. Exhaust Onyx Pentacle, place 1 Doom on it to target any enemy at your location or a connecting location and get plus 3. And if you succeed by more, two or more, ready on Expendicle and remove all Doom from it. Okay, the pattern is the same for all of them. Dowsing Rod doesn't give you an intellect boost or any boost 
for the first ability, and the upgraded version gives you plus two. Pentacle and Sickle do give you a plus one at level zero, so at level four they give you plus three. So you get slightly more of a boost for fighting or evading than investigating. That's okay. That's fine. These things happen. As upgrades, I think they're nice. I mean, one of the things that you upgrade into in Mystic is spells that give you a higher willpower, and these are giving you the bigger boost, which is good. There is a very specific type of play here, isn't there, around adding Doom heavily to get impactful boosts, maybe getting extra attempts at that through readying or through Sin Eater or through Word of Wheel and Word of Woe, and then at some point doing that second ability to get a clear. And it's almost like you want to go heavy at one point to get all the Doom in and then be ready with the clear. And maybe you do want Moonlight Ritual waiting for those times where it goes wrong. Ghastly Possession, similarly, you might be using that earlier on to like, oh, I just need to clear one Doom and then we're okay. So you've got this little dance playing around Doom. And you're probably, as Amina, being a little bit cautious about how Doom heavy you go because there's this risk that you lean too heavily into it and run into trouble. Because she's Mystic 0 to 5, she can take Arcane Studies to spend some of her resources. She unfortunately can't then take things that boost other stats, right? Because the Composure is... Ah, this is fascinating. The Composure is just on spells. It's grounded. And her... Dunwich talent is Blood Pact, which is Doom. So she has no agility boost in faction, I don't think, as in no pay-to-boost agility. And she has no pay-to-boost combat because she's paying with Doom. And it, I was thinking about all the spare resources she'd have. Fascinating. A real interesting conundrum there. Funnily enough, looping all the way back to Living Ink, Living Ink as a way of manipulating her stats could be really fascinating. For 5 XP, you could have all of her non-willpower stats be boosted up, and so she could really lean into the Charm Suite. There is another way of building her which is not really running any of these cards, apart from, say, Ghastly Possession, not doing the empty arcane slot thing and actually saying, I'm going to boost my willpower. I'm going to run Promise of Power, Guts. I'm going to run... an accessory that gives me a willpower boost. I'm going to run Renfield, who gives me a willpower boost. I'm going to build my willpower up that way. I'm going to lean in heavily with that and then maybe use the spell event suite as well and combine stats. She's she's kind of weak for doing that because the lowest you get with a skill combination normally is six, although some can even end up as a five. So like Marie doing Spectral Razor is a one plus four, which isn't great. But yeah, six is normally the place I don't want to be with the spell events. But having a six in a stat is still reasonable. Okay, this was my first look at the Mystic cards of the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion for players. What's the card you're most excited about? Please let me know. You can get in touch with Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com. We're Drawn to the Flame on Facebook, Twitter, Designed by Humans, and Patreon. My voice is holding up okay so far, but there's a lot of cards still to get through. I hope you've enjoyed this. More episodes coming soon. And yeah, thanks for taking the time to listen. 